for Matthew 18, 1 to 5. About this time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus called a child over and had the child stand near him. Jesus, then he said, I promise you this, if you don't change and become like a child, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. But if you are as humble as this child, you are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And when you welcome one of these children because of me, you welcome me. Amen. Thank you, Kira. Well, this morning we're just going to take a little bit more time to talk about what the Bible has to say about children. Now, children are something we all have in common. Either you are a child, maybe you have children living in your home, or for all of us there once was a time, maybe it was a long, long time ago, but you were a child. (laughs) And uh, the Bible would actually want us to understand ourselves even as adults, as children. So let's take some time to consider what value do the Scriptures place on children? And what does it mean to embrace this identity that the Scripture offers to believers? A child of God. What does it mean to embrace that identity as an adult. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from Him. I imagine there'd be some parents that might dispute that at various times. I'd be one of them. Children are God's good gift. And to have children is to be blessed by God. The Bible offers a very positive view of children and warmly affirms their value and worth. Children appear in many Old Testament stories, which is culturally surprising. In the ancient world, society had a very poor view of children. They were looked down upon. Children were valued primarily for the benefit that they would bring to the family a.k.a. very soon you're going to be another worker in the family. And so therefore, children are going to add to the prosperity of the household and the family. That's primarily how children were viewed. They weren't viewed as people to be best friends with. They were viewed as those who were going to contribute to the overall net worth and value of the family unit. So apart from the future value that children would bring, they had no rights and very little significance in society. The Old Testament, however, shows us that children were indeed special members of God's people, the Israelites, and were not to be treated, uh, sorry, were not to be mistreated, but rather treated with compassion and gentleness. So much of what we read in Scripture of God's people, God's people that have been called out and set apart to be different from the world, is countercultural to the society or the culture in which they find themselves. That reality and that truth has not changed. So even today, God's people are called out 
of the world to be different, not to be so different that we never make contact with people, but in fact to live in a way that demonstrates to others the goodness of God's love. The goodness of God's love. And what we see in the Old Testament is a nice balance between both the sinfulness as well as the value of children. As a parent, I feel as though we now live in a society where children have kind of become so high uh, that no child can do any wrong. And so many parents are trying to become their children's best friends rather than actually giving them good parental instruction and guidance and boundaries that children need. So the Old Testament is realistic and it accepts and puts forward that children are sinful. They don't always get it right. And if you're a parent, you'll know that only too well. If you're a child, you'll only know that too well. But the Old Testament also places incredible value and worth on the lives of children. David, the psalmist, acknowledges, I think, both sides of this coin. Psalm 51.5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. There's the sinfulness of a child. But then in Psalm 139, on the flip side, David writes, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Right there is a theology of a child, sinful and yet of incredible worth and value to God. Children are not only important because they are the future, children are also important because they are the present. They form a part of our community, whatever community that may be, and they have a valuable contribution to make. We see this clearly illustrated in the Scriptures. There are several examples, particularly in the Old Testament, where children and youth not only get a mention, but actually play significant roles, even leading roles amongst God's people. Young Miriam played an integral role in following her baby brother Moses in the cane basket down the River Nile. She assisted Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, by retrieving the help of a Hebrew woman, Moses' own mother, to nurse baby Moses until he had grown and was able to return to the palace. Josiah, the boy who became king at age eight, was an excellent leader of Israel, reigning for 31 years, and he turned the people away from their evil ways back to God. Samuel, the boy who grew up under the priest Eli in the temple, whom God spoke to and used to communicate his truths. God did not wait until he was a grown man to use him. God started using him as a child, as a boy. David, the shepherd boy, exercised greater bravery and trust in God than any of his older brothers. And the entire Israelite army uh, was able to courageously defeat this conquering giant Goliath because of David's bravery. These are not minor roles played by four children. They are significant roles in the life and history of Israel. Clearly, God is a fan of kids and he's happy to use them. In the New Testament times, children were still largely viewed by society as a nuisance and they had no social belonging. 
Jesus directly challenges this when the disciples bring the children to him. Uh, sorry, people bring him children to him and the disciples want to shoo the children away. And Jesus rebukes the children and blesses them. We heard Kira read Matthew 18 earlier, 1 to 5. Further on in Matthew, only a chapter later in 19, verses 13 to 15, we read, Then people brought little children to Jesus. This is obviously for a second time for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he placed his hands on them, he went out from there. The kingdom of heaven belongs to children. That's quite a thought. (laughs) For Jesus to bless those who come to him is a wonderful endorsement, isn't it? A wonderful endorsement. Blessing is a symbol of God's inclusion and a sense of his desire for that person to experience goodness and well-being and mercy. So Jesus not only welcomes children, granting them a place of honour on his lap, but he actually holds them up as a model, as an example for adults to learn from. Now, for some of us in this room, there's plenty of opportunities for us to have children illustrated to us in our lives. Uh, But I find that interesting that so often what happens in our kind of teaching time of the service, the children go out. Now, that's important for me to make a distinction here because we're, as a church, committed to teaching all people the ways of God. And there are more appropriate ways than for those kids to listen to me preach for 20 or 30 minutes And so we actually have a wonderful program designed for our children so that they can understand the gospel in a way that makes sense to them. But that does not mean, uh, I don't want that to send the message that we can't still learn from children. And so if you're an adult who's part of this church community or part of a community and you're not a parent, you don't have that exposure to children, can I encourage you to actually seek out children and to build relationships with children so you can actually learn from them? It's going to take humility and effort on your part. But the scripture says, unless we become like children, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I invite you to consider that teaching. According to God, children by very nature, by their very nature, can teach adults about the greatness in the kingdom of heaven and what it looks like. The greatness of God in the kingdom of heaven is primarily about humility. And there is a lot to learn from children when it comes to humility. In God's economy, greatness is not measured by size, capacity, or achievement, or titles, or what, how much money you have, or what kind of house you live in, or what kind of car you drive. Greatness in the economy of God is about our character, and it's about our humility before God. That's what our kids are learning about today, the difference between pride and humility and how God favours those who are humble rather than prideful. Greatness in God's kingdom does not come from striving or competing or winning. It does not come from walking over people to win and gain more. Rather than winning against people, to be great 
the scriptures say we have to welcome people, especially vulnerable people. So greatness in God's kingdom, according to these scriptures that we've read, comes from welcoming societal nobodies and blessing them. Children were societal nobodies in Jesus' day. He places those children on his lap and blesses them. To do this requires great humility and it requires us to place the needs of others ahead of ourselves. The scripture says in Matthew 18, 1 to 5, that in fact by welcoming children, we are welcoming Jesus himself. So to me that says a church community that seeks to be as intentional as it can to welcome and include children is a church that is seeking to welcome Jesus into its presence and midst. That is a powerful thought right there. A church that seeks to welcome and include and involve children is a church that is seeking to welcome and include and involve Jesus. Heaven forbid that we be a church that does not seek to involve and include Jesus in what we do. By choosing to illustrate kingdom greatness with a child... Jesus highlights the humility children embody resulting from their vulnerability and their sense of reliance and dependence upon their parents. Greatness in the kingdom of God comes from recognizing our own limitations and depending wholly upon God in everything. I'm going to go really quickly over this next section, and it is a theology of children. Dr. Marsha Bunge, a theologian whose research specialises in childhood, in relation to religion and ethics, identifies four key points to inform a Christian theology of children. Those four things are children are vulnerable. Children are gifts from God. Children are still developing and sinful, and children are models of faith to adults. Now, I have a little bit of text for each four of those statements. I'm going I'm to skip past all of that, but if you would like a little bit more reading on all of those four points, then I just invite you to send me an email, joel at erinabap.org.au. Okay, it's in the weekly view, and I'll just flick you all of my notes from today, and you can do a little bit more reading on those four areas. I talk, there are, there are more scriptures that kind of plug into each of those four points. But I want to move to talk about, um, we've been talking about primarily up to this stage, and all of that theology of children is about young children. But I want to move now to talk about what does it mean as an adult, to be a child of God. <laughs> Most of us now in this room are adults, so I think this is where uh, the crunch comes for you and for I. We read in 1 John 3, 1, See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that's what we are. Romans eight fourteen says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The scriptures use familial language very intentionally. Of all the names that God could have chosen for people to relate to him, he chose the name Father. And I find it fascinating that he uh, allows people like me to share that name. Uh, people like you, if you're a man and you have children. 
God, of course, is a father who is lovingly involved and deeply committed to the growth, development, safety, security, and nurture of his family and children. God is a father who knows his kids intimately. He spends time with them and understands their deepest fears, hopes, and dreams. He knows what is best for his children. He lovingly disciplines them when they go off track. As Heavenly Father, we are invited to approach God with the humility and the trust of a child. So how do we go about relating to God as children when we're adults? How do we embrace this identity, a child of God? Well, of course, there are plenty of childish and childhood traits, as Paul says, that we are to put aside that we are to grow out of, that we are to mature from. And this is completely and entirely necessary. The world would not function if it was run by childish children. There is absolutely a place for maturing and growing. But there are aspects and elements of what it is to be a child that the Scriptures say we never ought to let go of. And two important traits that I want to put forward to you that we ought to never let go of, firstly, is that children trust their parents. To be a child of God is to trust God. In an ideal uh, parenting relationship, a child has complete trust in the fact that mum and dad know what is best. I once saw a beautiful poster which said, Dad, a son's first hero, a daughter's first love. And it immediately just grew my father's heart. And such a sentiment really supports this notion that children look up to their parents and, and see, see them as being, you know, the biggest and the best heroes. That's uh, a high calling for those of us who are parents to live up to. And, and, and this level of trust, uh, that's actually how God's designed children to look at their parents. It's natural that children ought to look up to their parents and see them as heroes and, and to love them dearly. And as we've established, children are vulnerable. They need parents to be loving and caring and nurturing. Just as a child approaches her daddy with complete and total trust, that she is safe and trustworthy and has her very best interest at heart, so we are to tr approach God with that same level of trust and vulnerability. God wants us to come to him in humility and trust, recognizing who we are in relation to him, trusting that he is in complete control and knows what is best for our lives. Is this how you approach God? I did a devotion for our deacons recently and it was talking about a similar thing and was kind of confessing to the fact that often in my relationship with God, I feel I'm more often a parent than a child kind of telling God what I need from him. Um, I know what's best here, God. If you could just kind of arrange things this way and sort things out that way, that'd be great. <laughs> Rather than actually coming to God kind of with an open slate and saying, God, you know what's best for me in this situation. And I just open myself to your leading and your guidance and your will. It's a very different posture. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture God smiles upon. The next thing that God, uh, that as children, the next the characteristic that children have that we as adults never ought to let go of is that children are teachable. Children are teachable. 
And just because you're an adult does not mean that you have stopped learning or you need to stop learning. We all need to keep learning and growing. And so I think the scriptures encourage us and invite us to retain a spirit of teachability regardless of what our age. Children are constantly soaking up new information, making mistakes and learning from them. They have inquisitive minds and are constantly looking around and trying to see and figure out how the world works. Children spend so many of their growing up years at learning institutions. They do this because they have a lot to learn. And for the most part, they have a posture of teachability. Even though we may not attend learning institutions as such, there's no reason why we cannot still continue to learn. The school of learning, however, is different. The school of learning for adults, in one respect, is observing and befriending children and actually learning what it means to be a child of God in the kingdom of God. Having a teachable spirit and posture comes much more naturally to a child than it does an adult. But what God desires from us is that humble attitude and willingness to learn. The more we can learn to trust him and be open to his leading and instruction, the closer we will be to following him and following the ways of the kingdom of God and receiving his blessing. Are you part of God's family? Do you consider yourself a child of God? Would you like to be part of God's family? Entering God's family is a bit like receiving a gift. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. You can only receive it. There is nothing Ava can do to earn her way into the Amato family or the Sideropolis family. She will always be Tom and Lucy's daughter and nothing that she does or doesn't will do will change that fact. And nothing that she does or doesn't do will make Tom and Lucy love their precious daughter any less than what they do. And the same goes, of course, for Lily, Adrian and Ben. Ava has complete trust in her parents. She doesn't question their motives or intentions. As far as she is concerned, they have her absolute best interest at heart. Imagine if we were to start approaching God in that light coming to his scripture, his word, with that lens. God, you know what's best for me. I'm not going to question you because I know how good you are to me. I know how much you love me. You've demonstrated time and time again that you want to bless me and bless your people. So God, I'm going to submit and humble myself under your word and seek to live my life according to it. Wow. A Christian who takes that approach to the word of God is a Christian that God is going to use in mighty ways. As Ava grows, she will become teachable as her parents and others instruct her in a whole manner of life skills as she navigates her way through life. And the wonderful message of the gospel is there's nothing you or I can do to earn our way into God's family. We are all created in the image of God, and God loves each person dearly. No matter what you think of God, He thinks highly of you. He thinks so highly of you that he sent his son, Jesus, to model what it looks like to live life in all its fullness. And he came to model what it is to live a life of trust and teachability under a parent, under a father. Even though Jesus is God, the scriptures say he humbled himself 
And he put himself in a position where he was constantly learning from and trusting in his Father. He's modeling to us, you and I, what it is to relate to Father God in trust and dependence. The invitation to be part of God's family is open to all people. And the prerequisite to being adopted is to take that humble posture of a child, confessing your sinfulness before God, trusting in His plans for your life and submitting yourself to His teaching. Childlikeness is a characteristic of all true followers of Jesus because it is only through God's mercy that a person can enter the kingdom and find the greatness that comes from having our sins forgiven and receive the kingdom of life that God has prepared for all those who place their trust in Him. Uh, brothers and sisters, men and women, friends, may you have a trusting and teachable spirit open to receiving the love, guidance and fellowship of God, your heavenly Father, and may you embrace the identity as a child of God and know the abundant life Matt spoke of to begin today's service for all those who place their trust in him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the opportunity and the privilege to open up your word and to get a little bit of insight into what it says about children. God, what a thought that to inherit the kingdom of God, we are to become in some respects like children, particularly in respect to their trust and their teachability. And I pray, dear God, that you would enable each one of us by your Holy Spirit to examine our hearts, to consider how we might humble ourselves before you, to consider what it means to become part of your family, to be a child of God. And Lord, I just pray that you would welcome all who would come to you as you have so warmly welcomed Ava to yourself this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that you love and delight in children. And we know from what we've read this morning that that's not just about our age, but it's about our posture. So God, I pray that you might humble those of us who are prideful, that you might give those of us who think or feel we have nothing to learn a teachable spirit. And may we have the humility and the wisdom of David where we see that two-sided coin to acknowledge, yes, I'm a sinful person, but in the eyes of God I am of great value and worth. And I pray, Lord, that you would lead all of us, each one, to that place of understanding where we may with our own lips confess that we are sinful and in need, Lord, of you, our Saviour, and that we would come under your Holy Spirit's conviction of placing our trust in Jesus as Lord and Saviour and becoming a wonderful part of your family, a family where we don't have to earn our way in, a family where we are loved because who we are, dearly loved children made in the image of God. Thank you for this time together this morning now. We pray these things in the wonderful name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, Matt.